What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. If you're in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you face-to-face on a Wednesday night at our main Park West campus. Make sure to check us out on social media at Oasis PWC to stay up to date on everything going on here so that you can get plugged in and join the Oasis family. I hope that you enjoy this week's message. Let's jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to turn to John chapter 5. And uh, I think this is my favorite scripture right now. Uh, Like, I genuinely mean that. I think this is my favorite scripture right now. So John chapter 5, starting in verse 24, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And here's the verse that I just can't get enough of. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I don't know about you, but I've I've been walking around some like I'm dead. I'm really done with it. (laughs) I'm ready to be alive. To not to just kind of get by, but to really like, I'm ready to live. We've been talking about it so far in 2021. I'm ready to make some progress. I'm ready to walk in the fullness that God has called me to walk into. I'm not coming to preach prosperity stuff at you tonight, but though the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, he came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And I'm done with this apathetic stuff that 2020 got us settled into. I'm ready to come alive. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody ready to be alive tonight? Man, that's my title tonight, Come Alive. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it will not return to you void, but that it will accomplish what you have sent it forth to do. So tonight, I simply ask that you would help us come alive. (laughs) It's a simple prayer that's very complex in its own. For broken hearts in the room, do some surgery. God, let there be mending, let there be healing, Let there be restoration. God, from people that have been through heartache and loss to people that have dealt with clinical level anxiety, fear, depression, bipolar, and everything in between, God, I ask that you would meet us right where we are tonight, that we legitimately would encounter the love of God and gain five extra friends in the process. Amen? Oh, come on, like you mean it. Amen? Amen. All right, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. I am stuck in 1 Samuel right now. I can't get away from it. Maybe a month ago, uh, Livy was in the, in the bedroom. I walked in there and she had 1 Samuel open and it just sparked something in me. I'm stuck here and I can't get past it. So the context of where we're going tonight, in chapter 9, there's a man named Kish. Turn to your neighbor and say, Kish. There's no reason for that. I just think it's a funny name. There's a man named Kish who has lost his donkeys. It's a very interesting situation. He's literally misplaced his donkeys. He sends his son named Saul. Turn to your neighbor and say, Saul. He sends, there it is. He sends his son Saul with one of their servants to find the lost donkeys. It's a wonderful scene, right? There's this massive adventure taking place where homie just has to go run errands for his dad and try to find these lost donkeys. Well, they look and they just can't find them anywhere. And it's not like it would be right now. Like Livy's uh, family, their dogs run out of the house all the time. And we just get in the car and drive around until we find them. It wasn't that simple back then. You were on foot trying to find donkeys of all things. They're wandering around and they can't find them. So Saul says to his servant, I'll tell you, let's go find the seer, which just a fancy way for saying the prophet. 
let's go find the man of God, the pastor of the time, and see if he can help us find our donkeys. We should look into the context and figure out why they were working so hard to find these donkeys in the first place. Because unless they're just real expensive, I'm probably buying new ones. If I've been looking this long, I'm going to move on. But he goes to find the prophet. You see, Saul has no idea that by the time he gets there, God has already given a word to this prophet, to this pastor about Saul's future. In chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, starting in verse 16, it says, About this time tomorrow, this is the Lord speaking to the prophet Samuel. It says, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. You see, in chapter 8, the Israelites come to Samuel and they say, we want a king. We want to be like the rest of the groups. We're done doing this in between. And this is actually a pretty big deal because from the moment God spoke to Abraham on, they didn't have a king. The Israelites had prophets. They had the pastors of the group that God would speak to this prophet. The prophet would then speak to the Israelites. It was the in-between, right? So the fact that they've come to him and said, "We're, we're moving on, we want a king, has a lot of complexity to it. So Samuel goes and prays to the Lord and they have this conversation and the Lord says, yeah, I'm going to send you a man from Benjamin. Saul comes up out of Benjamin looking for donkeys of all things. And by the time he gets there, Samuel has already heard a very different story for what Saul's life is about to look like. The Bible says they start this conversation and Samuel starts to open Saul's eyes a little bit to what things are actually going to look like from here on out. And he says something interesting in chapter 10, verse five. After he tells Saul where he can find the missing donkeys, praise the Lord, right? We're all so nervous about the donkeys. After he gets the donkeys back, he tells him this. He says, after that, you will go to Gibeah of God where there is a Philistine outpost. And as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. Check this out. The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do for God is with you. Did you catch that? Again, this is another one of my favorite verses. Verse six, the spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will be changed into a different person. See, Saul, when you go do what God has told you to do, where he's called you to do it, he's gonna turn you into who you need to be to accomplish what God has called you to do. The Hebrew word for turned into here literally translates to overturn, to flip over. The spirit of God can literally cause the old you to flip into the new you that you need to be to accomplish what God has called you to do. You see, we see this again at 2 Corinthians chapter five. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. There is purpose and anointing on your life tonight. I wanna be an encouragement tonight. There is purpose for you. There is a calling for you. It may seem like there's some in-between. It may seem like you're running errands and finding donkeys. But a time is coming. And indeed has now come. Where the dead will come to life. Turn to your neighbor and say, come alive. No, like you mean it. Turn to your neighbor and say, come alive. There is purpose in this pursuit in the middle of the process. All the things, there is purpose 
in this and nothing is ever wasted. I love this. Saul gets up that morning and simply goes looking for donkeys because his dad told him to. And in the process, the Lord tells him he's about to be king. He had no big plans. Nowhere in scripture does it say that he got up, put on his suit, got ready for the job interview for what was going to happen, prepped and ready, like dressed for success, ready to do the right things and check all the right boxes and all things. Dude just was obedient to what his dad told him to do. And in the process, he was turned into who he needed to be to accomplish what God had called him to do. A time is coming and has now come for dead things to come to life. I genuinely, truly believe with with utmost conviction and honesty that tonight Jesus is ready and willing to change your world a little bit. And maybe you've just kind of got back in line with Jesus or, or you just gave your life to Jesus for the first time or you haven't been living for him and tonight is the night of salvation. Praise God for that. If that's the case, this is all about you right here. Jesus showed up. We put this whole thing together for you, for life transformation. You are amongst good friends and family, and we are excited to start that journey of life with you. But whether you're just now starting this or you've been doing this for a couple years, whether you are just stuck in anxiety and mental anguish or you are dealing with long-term addiction, tonight, in Jesus' name, is a night where dead things can come to life. I'm telling you, I feel it. A time is coming and has now come where dead things can come to life. Those of us that have been doing this, this Christian walk for a little while, we, we get to know Jesus on multiple different levels. Jesus is your friend. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's your comforter. He's your savior, praise God. But tonight I wanna ask a question. Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? And here's why I ask this. Especially in this room, you probably kind of often hear me talk about um, the the uh, relationship versus religion and cancel culture and some of the things that come along with that and the dangers of it. And, And in the last few years, there was this incredible cultural movement inside Christendom that just basically said, look, this isn't about religion games. This isn't about legalism. This is about legitimately loving God, having a relationship with the creator of the universe, understanding the love that Jesus has for you, that he would died for you, that all the things, right? This real life, relationship with a real God and that was so healthy because you had a generation before us that was so far on the other side that it was very this is how you dress this is how you act this is what you do and then it it's not a heart thing anymore and you can be a whitewashed tomb like the Lord like Jesus talks about in the gospels where you look great on the outside but your heart's not in the right place and that's a whole other issue so we jump from one extreme to the other And then in turn, we lose this reverence for who Jesus is, for who God is. And that's why I ask, is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? Because legitimate legitimate pursuit of Jesus looks like giving him full lordship. See, Saul is anointed king at a time that's completely random to him because while he's looking for lost donkeys, He's being obedient. And obedience only comes with lordship. 
we serve a very big God who is a very good God, but he's like the God. And there is freedom in allowing him to be Lord that sets you up for a position to be transformed into who he's called you to be. The willingness to run errands and to be faithful with where you are in small beginnings is what put Saul in the place to be anointed into who God had called him to be. And what happens? He physically turns into a new man. A time is coming and has now come where dead things can come to life. There's a lot of change happening right now. A lot of change in our church, a lot of change in our city. We're watching things change in our nation. Where you are in life right now brings a lot of change. This like 18 to 23, 24 onward can be wild and all over the place. Some of your friends are getting married. Some people are having kids. Some people are graduating, moving out of town. Sometimes as soon as you graduate high school, the change is like whiplash, right? Because you look up and 70% of your friends don't even live in the same city as you do anymore, right? Everything can change so fast. And many of you have heard my story. When I came up through college, freshman year, I was at Pellissippi doing, doing my thing, right? I was a psychology major at Pellissippi, and I was working part-time here at the church. And I wasn't far into that first year at Pellissippi and realized that I could transfer to Lee University online and pay almost the exact same amount that I was paying because of the scholarships that I had to do a bachelor's degree in ministry leadership. I was like, well, that's a no-brainer, right? I'm going to go ahead and transfer because I knew I wanted to go into ministry. So then sophomore year came around. And apparently I was a complete moron sophomore year because I went into my sophomore year of college. I was working part-time here at the church, leading worship on Sunday mornings with the middle school and Wednesday night at the high school. I was taking 12 credit hours online school and I was working a 40 hour work week with an electrician company. I was a complete idiot. That only worked for about three months. And then I kid you not, I was at a retreat and I had the audacity to tell God I was frustrated with him because he wasn't giving me ministry opportunities. I'm telling you, that was such a, he's so gracious to me. I was in Chattanooga at a retreat and I was in the altar, genuinely having a crisis moment, sophomore year of college, crying. I was like, God, I want to be used by you. Like one of these moments, I don't have any time for anything. Why don't you give me opportunities to do worship more? Why, do, why isn't ministry happening? Why isn't all these things? And just as loving as the Lord could say, he was like, there, there, you dummy, right? Like there, there, you don't even sleep right now, Caleb. What makes you think you have time in your schedule for more things? And the Lord told me to quit the electrician job. I got up the next morning and went to my boss and said, listen, Jesus told me I got to quit. And thank goodness he was a Christian because that could have been a really awkward conversation otherwise. But he was like, yeah, that's, that's okay. And I told him, I was like, I've never done this before, but I, like, I feel so much urgency. I don't even think like this is a two week notice. Like if it's okay, I, I need to be done. And he said, bring me your t-shirts back this afternoon. That was it. Three and a half days later, I got called in the pastor's office. We had had a lot of staff transitions go down at the time. And he said, Caleb, buddy, I hate to do this. Um, but for the time being, we need you to go back to volunteer for a while. We, we've got we've to move some things around. So sophomore year of college, I had just bought a new Kia Soul. That thing was sweet. It was a six-speed manual, and the, the sound system was just like the hamsters in the commercials made it seem like it was sweet. But it came along with a $250 car payment. My parents had just gone through a bankruptcy. 
So I was not trying to go into debt and there wasn't like extra money laying around and all the things. So I went from making $750 a week with two jobs to unemployed in four days. So then my prayer was very different. Me and Jesus were having a whole other conversation. I was like, wait a minute. I was trying to follow you. I was trying to be obedient. I was trying to do the things you had called me to do. And now I'm broke. And what am I supposed to do? Well, then I get to the end of sophomore year and I'm looking up and I'm like, what? I'm living in my parents' basement. I don't have a job. I was boo-hooing over my life, like full transparency. I was really struggling, feeling all sad for myself. I had no idea then that the obedience to stay in Knoxville, y'all, I was offered other jobs. I, had a, I was offered a job paying about what I make now in another city, and I turned it down. Because God said, no, this is where you're supposed to be. If I had left... I don't know if I would have been with my wife. I, I don't know if I would be on staff here. I, I, all the unknowns, right? Because I had simply just stayed put in the moment that it didn't feel right, because I had been obedient on the little things, because Jesus had lordship, even though it didn't make sense, look how things turned out. You see, following Jesus oftentimes looks a lot more like a compass than it does a map. And it would be great if he'd give you like a 10 bullet point map, right? Take five steps, take a left at the well, <laughs> go around the corner, dodge the dragon on the right, take 10 steps up, X marks the spot, right? That's where you'll find your spouse. And then you swing a left and you take 10 more spaces and that's where the full-time job is, right? Like it would be great if that's how that worked. I'm sorry, it doesn't. That's not how faith operates, Oftentimes, Jesus goes, that way. But what's over there, Lord? Ah, <laughs> oh, just that way. But obedience to his lordship sets you in a space where life change can happen. And let me encourage you, you don't have to have this whole thing figured out. This may be the most freeing thing I say tonight, so really lean in. You don't have to have it all figured out. You graduate high school and you get ready to go to college and what does everybody ask? Are you gonna go to school? Well, well, what school are you gonna go to? You're not gonna go to school? What are you gonna do? Which not going to school, like when I was going to college, especially it was like, if you told somebody you weren't going to school, they were like, oh. Right, like, and some of you know, like it's still like, oh, mm. Yeah. Yeah, for real. there's so much judgment, right? Like, that's the thing. Listen, go to trade school, become an electrician, and make three times the amount of money. Full, full transparency. But there's this question of what are you going to be doing next, right? It doesn't go away. Are you dating anybody? Are you dating? When are you going to get married? Are you married? When are you guys going to have kids? What's your five-year plan, right? That's the dumbest question. My five-year plan, you can quote this. My five-year plan is to hear Jesus and do what he says. Because at least in my life, he's not been that clear. He's not told me, do this, do this, do this. And let me be clear. I'm not saying to just live in your parents' basement with no goals and expect Jesus to use you all the time. Get a job, get a plan, do some things, make some progress, get some goals and have some dreams. Don't be lazy about it. That's not what I'm saying. 
but don't feel all this crazy pressure like you got to know all the answers because he didn't give you all the answers. That's what a relationship looks like. That's how faith works. It's a willingness to hear the Lord and do what he says. He will give you guidance on where to go next. And it can be just like it was for Saul. You may feel like you're running errands right now and in one moment be filled with the Holy Spirit and him change you into who you need to be to accomplish what God has called you to do. 2021 is a year for progress. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how heavy things have been. You may have lost literal family members this last year. You may be dealing with long-term depression, anxiety, and hopelessness, but my goodness, Jesus is stirring something. I wish you could feel it like I feel it, and I hope I communicate it well, but he's doing something new. He's doing something new. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If you're going through it right now, if the struggle is real, if you've been hurt or betrayed, if you're addicted and broken, we serve a God that has plans for you. And I'm telling you, a time is coming and has now come where dead things can come alive. Amen? My goodness. The story continues on in the next chapter, in chapter 11. Things unfold exactly like God told Samuel to tell Saul it was going to happen. He goes and he finds the donkeys and this crazy prophetic moment happens and the Holy Spirit shows up and there's this incredible moment. And then wouldn't you know it, Saul steps into his calling and they go straight to war. <laughs> He's immediately met with a mess in front of him. There's a group of the Israelites, not the whole city, but there's a, a group or a city of Jabesh that's under attack from the Ammonites. And in chapter 11, verse one, it says, Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to him, make a treaty with us and we will be subject to you. But Nahash the Ammonite replied, I will make a treaty with you only on the condition that I gouge out the right eye of every one of you and so bring disgrace on all Israel. So the enemy comes against the people of God and they beg for mercy. We can't win this fight. We can't win this war. Just please let us live. And the enemy says, okay, but only if I can gouge out the right eye of every single person in the city. And the enemy is still playing the same game. I'll let you go to church. You can go every Sunday and every Wednesday. You can be in the small group. Just don't you accept abundance. I don't want you to see the full picture. You can walk the thing and you can kind of piddle in Christianity a little bit. You can claim Christianity. You can buy the t-shirt and follow the Instagram account. You can use the hashtag and have all the friends and get your click here at the church and do all the things. He's all right with that as long as he can have one of your eyes. As long as you don't actually see the full picture. And Jesus said it boldly. Though the enemy would come to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that, that they would have life and life more abundantly. Don't sit and settle. Don't settle in that sin and that shame and that gunk another night. Man, let me just say it like I want to say it. Don't leave here feeling good 
and go home tonight and look at porn and get up tomorrow morning walking in the shame and the mess of that. Don't leave here feeling like everything's right and you got recharged and you're doing good and then still text that girl tomorrow morning. Stop, stop. Don't go to the party Friday night. You know what's there. Don't post that picture that you know you shouldn't post. Don't settle. Don't settle. Because you don't realize what that's doing internally. You see, the apostle Paul says that there's a war going on inside of you between your flesh and your spirit. And I want to be careful. There are legitimate anxiety, depression battles. We, we had a great conversation about this Sunday night within our internship. There is a legitimate battle of mental health where counseling and medication and help is needed, celebrated, and good. I am for you getting help. But I don't think you have any idea how many of us walk in constant anxiety and shame because we declare Christianity and then live different than that. If your spirit and your flesh are at war inside and you claim Jesus on Instagram and then send DMs of pictures that you shouldn't, your physical internal self is flipping out. And I wonder how many of us would sleep a lot better tonight if we stopped settling in sin and in shame and in gunk. And I'm not saying to pull yourself up out of the miry clay in your own strength. I'm saying that a time has come where dead things can come to life. You don't have to settle. You don't have to sit in the mess of it. That is the glory of the gospel, that he became sin who knew no sin so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ. This is the foundation of what we believe. Come alive in Jesus' name. Come alive. Don't drink the Kool-Aid that we're going to hell in a handbasket and everything's just bad. No, we're not. Revival's taking place all over our city. I'm talking to college pastors all over the place. We're baptizing addicts that are being set free from long-term addiction. Revival's taking place. Dead things can come to life, including in your life. I know anxiety's real, but Jesus. I know fear is real, addiction is real. I was long-term addicted to pornography. Not anymore. Because my Jesus can handle that. The heartache, the brokenness, the insecurity, the shame. I know it's real, but Jesus is so good and so capable to bring you through it. And whatever you're going through, my Jesus is bigger. Will you stand with me and give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you believe he's bigger? My, oh my, oh my. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. There is an anointing and a calling on your life. And the hand of God will take care of your mess and your unqualification. Wasman, can you put us in E? Just get in his presence and allow anointing to come over you. For my note takers in the room, here's your last note to take. Obedience is the catalyst for transformation to settle in God's will for you. And I don't mean settle like you could have had better and you said, I mean to, to rest, to sit, to give him lordship can change your life tonight. This is a generation that is hungry 
for more. I'm telling you, I've said it before. I don't have lukewarm friends. My buddies that I grew up with that were in and out, they're gone or they're fully committed. And your generation is setting the standard for what Christianity can look like right now. In the midst of of coming off of COVID and the hate and the mess and the junk that, that your circle has dealt with and battled, man, you get to stand for something. You get to walk in at class and at work and in other places and have peace that makes absolutely no sense. Why? Because you don't have to be in control. You've given it to Jesus and he's the Lord and he caused the dead thing in you to go away and the new man to come over you. My five-year plan, to hear the Lord and do what he says. The anxiety, the mess, the shame, the gunk, I'm laying it all at the foot of the cross and I invite you to do the same. John 5 24 and 25, very truly I tell you that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from dead to life. And very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Eyes closed and heads bowed all across the house. There is an anointing for change. Man, I know it's real. I, f- I feel it. I feel even the pushback. Caleb, yeah, but you don't understand how many times I've prayed to be free from that. You, you, you don't know what this has looked like. I don't. I don't have to. Because I've seen my mess. And all the times that I didn't think it was possible for me to get out of all of that. But my Jesus is just that good and he's so big and he's so great. And tonight a time has come to stop living in complacency, to stop settling in the in-betweens and to experience what it really feels like to come alive. So if you're in the house tonight and you say, man, Caleb, I've settled. It doesn't matter what it is. If you say, I've settled for less than abundant life with nobody looking around, will you throw a hand up for me? Yeah, amen, 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 amen. I see those hands. Tonight, dead things can come to life. And if you would like to have somebody pray with you, a couple of our our prayer team members, our serve team, our interns can be up here up front to pray with you. I'll be up here as well. But this moment can be between you and him. It is as simple as what this word says, to hear the voice of the Lord and to return to him. So in your own heart, in your own mind, come on, if you're comfortable, just raise your hands all across the room. In your own heart, in your own mind, Lord Jesus, we need you. We choose you. We don't wanna settle anymore. We don't wanna live in less than what you've called us to live in. We don't wanna do this in-between half-hearted stuff. We wanna be fully sold out for you. I wanna have all that you want me to have. I wanna walk in the fullness that you've called me to walk in. So Jesus, help me come alive. I give you lordship. I give you rulership over my life tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.